is the Better Life, Better Work show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. Hey, hey. Good to see you, Allison Crow. Um, I am recording today a behind-the-scenes video. This is something I normally do in private just for Solis. Uh, at the end of every month, I do a little personal and professional debrief and share some of the highlights with my clients. And I thought that today I would share with you here live on Facebook, YouTube, and also on my podcast. So the last four weeks of my podcast, I have taken a break and um, it's absolutely served me well. Um, so let me just dive right in. Um, welcome to those who are watching live. Welcome to those who are listening to the replay. And thank you to those who are listening on the podcast. What we're going to talk about today, and I've actually written some notes. I want to talk a little bit about RGB. Got my little RGB t-shirt on. Or BG. I don't know why I say RGB. Or BG t-shirt on. Um but her death really hit me. And so I have some lessons that really hit home for me about that. Um, I want to share a few beauty tips on aging. I know that seems frivolous, but there also is a deeper thing to that. And then I want to share some money mindset stuff um, that is going on behind the scenes uh, and some profit first stuff with you guys. So we're kind of covering a few bases and it will be what it will be. So the first thing I want to talk about... And I'm recording this the day after the first presidential debate, which frankly was a shit show. Um, as you may know, and I think one of my recent, I don't think, I know that one of my recent episodes was some of my emotional struggle with the dissension, the hate, the hate in my own heart. And I've been really practicing chilling the fuck out without sticking my head in the sand. And one of the things that really brought things home for me was remembering Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life. And so I want to, I want to read these three quotes, um, which answer this question that I was asking myself, how do I dissent how do I resist? How do I advocate without losing my shit and without becoming ugly in my heart? Um, and some of these quotes and the way this woman lived her life and the way she was fierce, but gracious, intelligent, and calm. Um, so the first quote is, real change happens one step at a time. I find many people I talk to are super wrapped up in 
needing to change the whole world now and the sense of urgency. And I get the sense of urgency and we forget that change begins in our own heart and in the worlds around us. And I often wonder about social media and how social media can make us feel because we're screaming into the void, like we're having an impact. And sometimes I feel, I call that frothing. Someone said I need to do a whole episode on frothing. And to me, frothing is a fight or flight response. It's a, it's a nervous system response, like fight, flight, or freeze. And so fight, flight, freeze, froth. And frothing is when we're standing in difficulty, standing in shit, and we froth the shit. So we make the shit even worse than it actually is. And frothing, the reason that I think that, I think that this is just my little philosophy that I think people froth is because it makes them feel like they're in control. (laughs) It makes them feel like they have a sense of certainty and power, but really it's not powerful. Um, And so we've got to drop into a grounded nervous system. Um, We've got to drop into a grounded system. So nervous system, so that we can be the change. The second quote is reacting in anger or annoyance will not advance anybody's ability to persuade. And I find you know, I'm, I'm learning that the first place to look is within myself when I get um, frothy myself, because I do. <laughs> I'm learning that the first place to look is what do I need to own in myself? Um, and why am I trying to persuade somebody? And usually when I'm frothing, I'm trying to persuade somebody because I'm feeling afraid or insecure or need validation, or I have an incessant need to be correct and right. And that's not actually how change comes. We don't create change through beating people over the head with our viewpoints. Um, I had a client one day, she was like, so-and-so from this company needs to know that people in their company believe this. And I was like, So you're going to run in and tell them how wrong they are and that's going to make a difference. We've got to, we've got to calm the fuck down. And I'm not saying ignore it. I'm just saying we've got to come from this place. um, And, and Justice Ginsburg was an example of that, of her ability to dissent with wisdom and intelligence and from a grounded place with who she be. So this is the third quote. And this is the one that has really got me. Fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And it is in who we be. And yes, the things we do reflect who we be. Um, I, I had a, a call with somebody yesterday, kind of emergency style, and they were having a little bit of a, a breakdown. And, you know, one of the things she said to me, she was like, I've talked to a few people and it's like, I just need to be high, high vibe. And I was like, no, honey, what if for right now, we just need to get to neutral to be high vibe. Like now it's not a time for unicorns and rainbows and, um, you know, these spiritual vision quests. Right now, the most spiritual thing we can do is chop wood and carry water in our humanness. To not let our humanness be blown 
to the extremes. And so we talked a lot about the nervous system and grounding. And to me, RBG was such an example of grounded descent. And the only way, so this is what I, I wrote down, um, because I have been up in my emotions and in my drama and in my own um emotions that are uncomfortable for me. And then not just my emotions, but when I'm feeling those emotions and when I'm avoiding those emotions, how do I respond to people around me or to what's going on? And is it useful? And so rather than being wildly emotional, now pay attention here because I am not saying don't feel emotion, but my using my emotion in my response is not helpful for me being fierce, calm, steady, and sure in my descent. In order to do that, I must meet my emotions. I must meet my emotions with uh, my sacred people in my journal, in my quiet time. I've got to learn how to feel my difficult emotions, allow them to process through my own being, my mind, my body, my spirit, and then from the grounded and neutral place, use my voice. So that has been a big um, behind the scenes, like one of the things that I've really been thinking about a lot. And um, even last night, I was listening to the debate on the way home from celebrating my parents' 50th anniversary. And... And... I, I just decided how I was going to be in the debate. I decided how I wanted my mind to be. I decided how I was going to practice. And I, I wanted to practice being grounded. I wanted to practice noticing my uncomfortable feelings. I wanted to practice noticing what was underneath my irritation or annoyance or rage or fear and, and meet that. I, I did not watch the entire debate at some point. Like at some point I was like, okay, this is enough, but it was good to practice. Clearly I care about the election. Clearly I care about, um, I care about my country. I, I care and I don't want to just stick in my, stick my head in the sand and love everybody. I want to figure out how to dissent with wisdom and power instead of force and emotion. So that's one behind the scenes thing. Let me check in and see if there's something else there. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a good uh, follow up to my rather emotional podcast a couple of weeks ago about navigating politics as a soul, soulful human being. Um, again, let me really stress too about you know as a soulful or spiritual human being, we don't leave politics, we don't leave uncomfortable things, and politics is a part of life. And so it is easier to go, oh, I just don't pay a pol- pay attention to politics; it's too much for me. I feel, can't speak for anybody else, but I feel a responsibility to to humanity, to my community, to people less fortunate than me, um, to myself, to my family, to be civically minded. And that means I have to learn how to dissent with wisdom. Okay, I'm going to get to another serious topic in a minute. And this is kind of serious, but kind of fun. So the other thing, and originally I thought my, I was like, the only thing behind the scenes that's going on is this 
aging stuff. And so <laughs> to switch topics, but still behind the scenes of behind the scenes life is, um, you know, when you are on Zoom and you are leading Zoom calls or doing live videos, you see your face all day long. And some days I think my face is really cute. In fact, I think my eyes are really cute. My lips are really cute. But I have, obviously, I'm almost a 50-year-old woman and I'm noticing my 50-year-old self and doing things I can to take care of my skin and my hair and sort of my body, although I've, you know, pretty much got the COVID-20 gain back on and um, not eating horribly, but not eating as well as I could, but specifically about my looks. And so I noticed I had this like urge and this craving to dye my hair. And throughout my life, I have changed my hair color a gazillion times. I have really uh, I, I have a range of things I can do with my hair. I can dry it straight. I can dry it curly. Today, it's kind of straight curly. Um, I've had blonde hair. I've had red hair. I've had dark hair. I've had maroon hair. And it hasn't been that big of a deal, but I just, there was something about like this compulsion that I was feeling about changing my hair color. And the other night, um, the other night, I found myself researching how to dye my hair blonde at home, which any of you ladies know, like it can be a disaster. And I'll tell you for me, it always turns red. It's just better to let a professional, if I want to color my hair, which is a valid choice, let a professional do it. But I found myself like obsessing and watching YouTube videos and reading these formulas and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I just realized I was really tense about it that there was some something underneath the need or the craving to dye my hair. And I wrote a post on Facebook that was like, what are you really uptight about that you just need to let go? And a lot of people wrote really serious things. And I didn't tell them what I needed to let go of. And what it was, was my compulsion to change my hair. I still haven't even quite identified what it is, but changing my hair color won't fix whatever that urge was. Um, I noticed this before I, I noticed this back when I lived in Denton, that there was something in me that as my body had gotten bigger and middle age, no amount of force or quick fix was going to change my discomfort with my softer, rounder, bigger, mushier body. It, it was going to have to be a kind of love and acceptance of myself completely. And then if I wanted to make a change, and that's what was interesting is because when I did lose a lot of weight, I, I lost 20 pounds doing keto a couple of years ago and I kept most of it off for a long time and then COVID hit. And I made choices. I'm not blaming it on COVID. I just made the easier mental choices. And... The reason I was able to do it at that time was because not I should look a certain way or I'm not good or cute if I'm not skinny. It was because I came to this place of really loving what was. And they say the same thing about a house, like the easiest way to sell a house is to love it before you leave it. 
And so I had to love it before I leave it. And there is something about my natural hair color and my grays that are coming in and the texture. There's something that I feel from the inside out. Like I said, this is behind the scenes. So it feels a little corny and vulnerable. But there's something in me that wants to love and accept the aging version of me. There's something that wants to love and accept these folds. And when I see these these folds, I know on the podcast you can't see, but the folds that come from your nose around the side of your cheek. I see my aunt Joanne's face and I see my wrinkles showing up in the same place my aunt and I see the pudgy, you know, I call them old lady cheeks. And I recognize that I discredit the beauty of growing older. And um, I'm in process with this. I don't need any help, but I just wanted to share, you know, I've been paying attention in general to my urges. If I have an urge to buy something on Amazon, if I have an urge to drink wine, if I have an urge, if it's not a natural and organic desire, if there's an urge, what is that urge covering up? And I know in my own being the difference between an organic desire and something that is covering up uncomfortable emotion. So that's been real interesting. Um, In this process, I will say I I have done some research and I have some skincare that I love and use. And um, I did see this one lady on TikTok. (laughs) There's some really neat women over 50 on TikTok doing beauty things. And this one lady was like, beaches, don't use those facial, you know, you use the makeup removers. And she was like, use an oil on your face. And, you know, moisture is really important for our aging faces. And um, I do often get really lazy about washing my face and I use those facial cleansers. Um, I also don't like the trash they create. And so um, it prompted me to research face oils and I've used some expensive ones before, but I decided to look at like organic oils and I found rosehip oil. I know that is so corny, but a giant bottle of rosehip oil was $10. And so I've added that to my routine and it is, um, what's interesting is finding ways to love and nurture what I have not change what I have, but nurture what I have has been really helpful for that, um, for that way I see myself, um, that I don't have to necessarily change the folds on my face or the wrinkles, but that I can nurture it. And so here's the other thing, not only am I nurturing my face, but I'm nurturing my little elbows and I'm nurturing, like putting that, putting the same things I put on my face, putting on my neck and chest and on my hands. And as I look at my mother who I saw last night and um, she is 77, I think. Sorry, mom, about to turn 78, 43, she'll be 77. She was born in 43. So this is 2020. She'll be 77 or 78. I'm sorry, mom. Um, and she, she's taken such good care of her skin because she keeps it moist. Anyway, so that's not necessarily anything really deep, but these are things I think about behind the scenes and that actually consume a lot of my thought. Um, so those are my behind the scenes life things. And then I had an interesting revelation yesterday about money. 
um, with my coach and the mastermind that I'm in, we have these quarterly money calls. And I was thinking, I don't really need to talk about money. And with my clients, sometimes I share my actual numbers. Um, I hired a woman named Megan Hale in January. Um, she does some really good profit first stuff and some goal setting and then helps you combine profit first with your, you know, current reality, how to set up your allocations and how to nudge your allocations towards the whole profit first system. And for about four years, I've been doing what I call shitty profit first, excuse me. Um, the first step that I did in Profit First was allocate taxes. I created all the bank accounts. I do not use a separate bank account. Mine are all at the same one. Uh, they say do separate bank accounts because that way you don't rob Peter to pay Paul. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter if I have second bank accounts. If I want to rob Peter to pay Paul, I know how to do it. So I just keep them all at the same same bank account. It saves me on, uh, or same bank, saves me on fees. And I can see everything in one picture. And so I've been really, really good for the last four years because I wasn't good as a self-employed person. I would make a lot of money and then I would have this giant tax bill and I would pay down debt and then I would have to pay my tax bill with credit. And I was in that cycle for a long time. And I finally said, no, I'm starting to make these allocations. I'm putting on my big girl panties and making these allocations. And so the first allocation I would make, and I still make religiously without fail, is for my taxes. I have a special savings account just for taxes. And ever since then, my taxes have been paid quarterly on time and in full. And I actually put away a little more than I need so that I've created that. I created that security. I created that system um, or I implemented that system to create a sense of like, I just don't fear the the tax world anymore. The other, the second part is putting money in your profit first account, um, a percentage in that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half ass with, you know, the, the percentage that goes into the profit first account. Um, I make my owner just, I have no problem making my owner distributions, trust me, and a no problem spending in my business. And so we were talking yesterday about, One of the things I love about my coach and love about the community that I'm in is they are all politically active women and women who care about themselves, their communities, and um, they care about our country. And one of the ways that we can have impact is through creating money and through creating wealth. And so I can scream on Facebook, but it doesn't do much. I can donate somewhere. I can give, I can um, have influence with money. And so there's a, there's a guy out there that has a podcast. um, Chris Harder, I think is his name. And I love his, his little saying, um, I'm going to mess it up, but it's something along the lines that when good people make good money, they do good things. And my belief is that, those of us who have good hearts need to make good money and we can do a lot of good things with that money. It's not just about buying stuff. And so she was leading us to this process. Like imagine you're totally wealthy woman and, and allow yourself to believe all these things. And we went through this and I noticed that my money mindset was very different than it has been in the past. And I noticed I was very hoardy 
with my money. I'm embarrassed to admit that because usually I'm pretty generous. I'm generous with myself. I'm generous with my clients. I'm generous with donating. And I just felt really hoardy. And so here's an example of the hoardy mentality. Um, Actually, even though we bought a more expensive house, it costs less to live here. And uh, it costs less to live here. And so we've got money and my income has increased. And so there's actually more money in the budget. And I haven't, I haven't set up having a housekeeper at this house. And that was one of the things that I do for myself. I do for my husband is we have a housekeeper come every two weeks. It creates time and energy and space. And, you know, Bill's... Bill's like, you can do it or not. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I need to do it, but I just don't do it. Like, I just don't pick up the phone and call and and get it set up to go. And part of that, so on the surface, it looks like, oh, it's something I haven't done, right? So you got something on your to-do list. There's usually a reason if you want it, why you haven't done it. And I realized I don't want to spend the money, but not wanting to spend the money was hoardy. There was a hoardy energy to it. And so I realized I was at this really protective place. And last month, we had the last enrollment for Solis. And it was a very good enrollment. Um, I did spend a little bit of money um, on some of my clients and gave cash referrals for people who referred their friends. And we had a really big group of people join Solis, totally enjoying Solis, totally enjoying my mastermind, totally enjoying my little um, pod of soulful CEOs. And, but I'm not selling anything as of September. And so I had this insight, a couple of insights. So one, it was like, who am I if I'm not selling something, right? Like, am I valid if I'm selling something? And I realized that I've set up a system and a marketing plan that I'm following. I had set up to take a break in September, but my cellular memory of lack and scarcity was showing up in who am I if I'm not selling something? And then I realized that um, even though I'm, this is what's crazy. Like, even though I was spending money on some things on my home and spending money on rosehip oil and spending money donating and spending money on RBG t-shirts, I, there are certain places I was getting really hoardy with money. And so When that came up yesterday, I I had a hard time envisioning my future wealthy woman, which is normally not a problem at all, you guys. And so it was really actually beautiful, a little gulp worthy to recognize that I had, you know, I've, I've had a really beautiful year with my business, even though COVID, um, and, there's been an uptick in income and income feels steady and Solis feels beautiful. Like I can really look back. Solis was started three years ago last week and I can really feel well done, Allison, well done, Solis, well done on, on this idea that you had and took a big risk to do it. And this is a time and was set in the calendar to rest and receive and space and be gracious. And at the same time, um, 
you know, there's this pressure to always be nexting and growing. And so what yesterday helped me realize was what do I want my growth to look like? Not what should I grow? How should I grow? Or just keep driving, driving. What do I want my growth to look like? What do I want my financial growth to look like? And I certainly could, and this is the other thing I noticed, that I was in a protective plateau, like this place where when things are so good, you're afraid the other shoe is going to drop. You're afraid it's not real. You're afraid it's not going to last. And that is um, a sign of scarcity. I reached out to a gal I do some body code work with. I was like, oh, I hit another little financial hidey hole. And it is, for me, the, the word is Heidi and hoardy. And Heidi and hoardy is not something I want to be with my money. I want to be wise. I want to be generous. I want to be smart. I want to take care of myself, my family, my future, my future self. I want to take care of the things I contribute to. And so it was fun. While we were on the call yesterday, my coach started going into... Um, we moved to another section of profit first and she went into allocations and I was able to pull up my spreadsheet. I have this amazing spreadsheet. Um, it's like a series of 10 spreadsheets and I was able to pull it up. I used to keep it up on my desk all the time and I haven't since I've moved here. I've kind of looked here and there, but I haven't really gotten into it. And I pulled up and, and I printed out my, um, this is my profit and loss year to date. And I printed out my profit and loss and I started putting in all my numbers in my spreadsheet and looking at the allocations. And, and again, my tax allocations were perfect, but it's amazing how having that and knowing and seeing this is, this is the money in the tax accounts and that we pay tax. And then being able to see where I can adjust, being able to spend time with my money. So I have a saying um, that I came up with, or I don't know if I didn't, I heard somebody talk about it in the form of writing and I switched it to money. This woman had said, if writing was your lover, what's the relationship was like? And for me, it was like, oh, if money were my lover, what's the relationship? And I realized I hadn't been spending time in the numbers of my business. Um, I'd been time spending money. I'd been time hoarding money, but I hadn't spent time getting to know and paying attention to the details. And if I don't spend time and pay attention to the details of my partner, my husband, then I don't really know him and it creates a disconnect. And so I could see so clearly how, you know, it does take effort to get into the numbers of my business. It does take effort um, to watch these things. It does require me to meet both difficult and amazing emotions. And it does require me to see the gaps in um, my business or where I'm spending more than I thought I would, et cetera. And it has never not served me to keep my nose in the numbers of my business, what we call put on my big girl panties. So I put on my big girl panties and I'd be a wise one with money. And so it felt really good to get my allocations done. So um, it's easy to get stuck in a financial safety zone and there's nothing wrong with taking a rest. And I personally want to continue to grow. Um, there's a million reasons why. So there's some of the money stuff. The final thing that I wanted to share behind the scenes with my clients and with those who are peeking in this month is with this 
little mini, it's not a full sabbatical, but it was a content creation sabbatical. Like I create content all the time and I just wanted to slow my nervous system down. I wanted to spend time lying in the grass in my backyard, sitting in my hammock, chilling the fuck out. And I actually decided kind of last minute. Um, it was, it was, I just knew I needed it. And so I asked my team for help and within a couple of days, my team had researched the podcast and helped me write intros to re, you know, to re-edit the podcast and and they wrote the emails for me and and wrote my social media for the month of October. And I looked up and these three people that I've hired to help me all did things really well that at once I wouldn't let go of. And it just felt really good to allow myself a recovering overdo it all, a recovering um, under receiver to have high level help. And it's one of the things I've taught on. I have podcast episodes on my journey to becoming a woman who has high-level help, and I have high-level help, and it is one of the best things I've ever invested in. Um, and it wasn't easy at the beginning. And so it feels really good to allow my team to help me. Um, shout out to Elise, who does the sound mixing and audio producing of my podcast, and shout out to Stacy and Callie of Uncommonly More. Um, and shout out to Amber, who um, holds my heart, holds my mind, loves all my clients, and does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work as well. And these people, I like my business better with them in it. And so that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. <laughs> a little peek. Normally, behind-the-scenes are not 32 minutes long. Um, maybe that's what happens when I take 30 days off from creating is it kind of accumulates. Normally behind the scenes aren't this long. Sometimes I do a separate life one and I do a separate business one. Um, but yeah, pulling back the curtain a little bit. And the reason I pull back the curtain is not to tell you how to do things. It's just to show you a little bit, you know, that cheesy iceberg analogy we all see online is like we all see the tip of the iceberg. Don't compare your insides to the outside. So sometimes I like to share a little bit of my insides so you can see my process. So you can see that you're not alone in rumbling about some of the life and business things that you rumble about. Um, it's beautiful and wonderful and not always smooth. And it's okay. It just is. So with that, thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing. Special shout out and love to my soulies. There are 70 of you right now. And I'm so grateful for you. Um, this month we have September. So this will be published in October, but September, we have the first, what I'm calling solely legends. These are people who started and have been with me since September, 2017, when we started and your solely legend t-shirt is on the way. Um, it's amazing. I, I, I didn't really pay attention to what would I be doing three years later? I mean, I guess I knew, but, and here I am. 
And so I hope this helps. If you get any insights for yourself, borrow my wisdom, borrow my insights, and let me know if any of these insights impact you or help you. I always love to hear when you get an insight from something I'm saying, especially in a ramble. Peace and love to you all. I will see you online. And if you want to get on the waiting list for Solis, you can do that at coachwithallison.com. As always, thanks for listening. Totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag Better Life, Better Work Show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.